0: Um, Set up an advisory board of people that you can talk to along the way um, immediately, Um, like two days after you start your business. In fact, you should probably, before you start your business, um, get one or two people that you really trust and run some of your ideas by them. Um, Not that you're going to listen to everything they have to say, but... um, having people around you with diverse backgrounds and experience makes the process um, much easier to go through.
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Jeremy Smith. And uh, just as a quick introduction to Jeremy, so uh, was educated uh, educated to value his family. Um, and as he got going, uh, one of the things he uh, found out kind of growing up was he, he read a lot of books about stocks and investments and in that section of the newspaper and um, educated himself on that. Um, and then as he was going through high school, got uh, bored really quickly. And so um, around that uh, time, he was also, he started running a concession stand as an entrepreneur endeavor with the family graduated high school, got into a sales position at an ad agency, worked for them for 22 years, um, started a business with his brother that he got into, sold that business, and learned that he never wanted to sell his business again. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Jeremy.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me on your program.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. So I just ran through a, a, a or I just condensed a, a much longer journey into about thirty seconds or so. So let's unpack that a bit. So tell us uh, how your journey got started reading the the stock and investment section in the newspaper as a kid.
0: Well, you know, it was um, I was always a little, uh, you know, we came from a quirky intellectual family that um, uh, was very into reading um, books, magazines, newspapers, and um, there were two things that I really loved, um, the weather. And, um, I used to try and compete with our local weatherman on TV to see if I could out forecast them. And mm. so I, I learned how to read the bars in the newspaper, uh, the weather bars. Cause, um, today it's very different. You don't get the same sort of information that you used to get in a printed newspaper. So the New York Times, um, would print the entire uh, US map and would show you all the um, barometric pressure and the bars and the lows and the high pressure systems and then with when it came to stocks I you know I became fascinated with um, the stock market in that you know the it used to be about like the Sunday paper uh, the business section, The stocks alone was about a uh, 16-page part of the newspaper because it displayed all the stocks and the the latest quotes, the highs, the lows. And um, I was fortunate enough in junior high school to take a a class that was offered to us, which was on the stock market. And I um, started uh, buying stocks when I was 13 years old and um, my first lesson was never use a broker um which at the time when I was thirteen years old uh you just you didn't have an option there was no charles Schwab. um there was there was no internet, so well there was, but we didn't know about it. It was under the defense department, so no one really knew about it but so we- we could we we had those options. you went to a broker and I had done all my research uh found this company called Bomar, um, which uh, they pretty much invented the calculator and I thought, wow, that was a pretty cool item. I think this company could be really successful and the stock was around four or five bucks at the time. Mm. And I went with my mother because you know you, you can't as a miner, you can't go in and buy stocks even with a broker. And my mom and the broker convinced me, um, well, I I would, they really shoved Pan Am Airlines down my throat. And I I learned that, you know, brokers have their favorite stocks and really they're just salespeople, stockbrokers with a different title, most of them. And so they convinced me to buy Pan Am, which went from, I bought it at 10 and a quarter, went up to 10 and seven eighths. And over the next ten years, never went any higher, and um, then they went bankrupt. And so, um, as to where Bomar went from like six to eight dollars a share to 120 bucks, and um, uh, so I called that one right. And then I I realized that if you do your own research, um, and really study things, that you can figure things without so-called experts on your own. And so I that was kind of, kind of became my guiding principle for life in general with, um, uh, with things is that, you know, education, whether you go to college or you don't go to college, there's no excuse for not being educated. And so, um, the more educated you are, the more options, the more knowledge you have, uh, the more opportunities come your way. And so I've always lived my life that way.
1: Well, that's awesome. No, I think that uh, definitely is a, a great approach to take with life. So, So you go, you know, you get into a bit of stocks and investing and you get some good advice, get some bad advice, but you kind of get uh, some initial education. You go throughout high school, you graduate. And I think you said right uh, right after graduation, you took a sales position at an ad agency. Is that right?
0: Yeah, my mom had passed away. Prior to that, we were working for her concert company. And that's how we got into the concession stand business was um, my mom needed somebody to she was having problems with the employee that managed the business. And she asked my brother and I to take over and run the concession stands at the concerts. And that's really, my mom was really my first, the first entrepreneur I knew. And, you know, she took us through the whole process of profit and loss and, you know, how the difference between a 5% and a 10% amount of ice in, um, uh, a Coca-Cola or or beverage, uh, uh, plastic container can um, net you an extra dollar fifty to two dollars per every one you sell, and so um, you know we started learning about those things. And then when I was um, after my mom passed, I um, joined a small typography company and um, started working for them, selling to ad agencies, and then got involved in the ad business as well. And and did that for quite a while. But I I worked for a gentleman named Drew Andreessen who really was um, one of the first entrepreneurs outside of my mother that really, I spent 22 years there. So I I learned a lot about marketing and design and working with some of the greatest designers on the West Coast. Um, You know, some of them like Keith Bright who did the the Summer Olympics uh, graphics for um, the... Uh, in LA. And then, um, you know, it's done major airlines, food packaging design like Saffron Road. I just learned a lot. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're around these people and it's a free education, spending time with these people, going to lunch with them and figuring out what their approach to design is and, and communications and how they run their businesses. And 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 so it, it kind of was like going to college, but I was getting paid.
1: Hey, well, that's a great way. You get the education and you make money doing it. So that definitely sounds like a great yeah. way to do it. And now, you stayed, I believe, with the same ad ad agency for about 22 years. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it was a firm called Andreessen, and um, I stayed with them. Uh, I left once or twice to go try some other things, but I always came back because I, I had a lot of admiration for Drew Andreessen. And, um, I uh, just learned a lot from him and, uh, you know, I still almost everything I learned there, I, um, you know, went into, um, uh, my business, uh, later on in life. And, um, you know, I think that that's part of, um, working for other people is there are so many things to learn. Some, sometimes we, you know, you hear the stories about people that, you know, um, Uh, go to work for people and then they go start their own companies and they often forget really what they learned and some of the the people they work for. And and I've never forgotten anybody that really helped me along, along the way. And so, um, you know, everything comes together for a reason um, whether it's karma, whether it's luck, whatever your belief system is. Um, But if you, can, if you take, if you can slow down for a minute and take in what people are trying to te- teach you, um, a lot of times you can learn a lot more than, you know, just being a bull in a china shop and, and, and going forward. So um, I, I learned a lot there and it gave me um, insight into how to market things far, far uh, better than I would have if I hadn't, um, had that experience. And so I, I always treasure, um, the time I had, but I was a kid, I was 20, 21 years old. And, you know, I hit it, I hit it big at 22. I'm making 85,000 a year, which today is pennies. But back then that was worth a you know, a lot of money. And, you know, being a kid like that, making that kind of money, you know, almost six figures, you're, you're in a position where, you know, you know, you, you know, life is, is fantastic. And that's the thing about sales is that if you can get into, um, a commissionable salesperson, you can make a half million to a million dollars a year. And a lot of people don't realize that, that it, you know, um, that's why I would never go to work for a firm that doesn't pay commissions. If I didn't own my own business, because, um, you know, you can, um, uh, if you're talented, you can go out, and make as much money as you want. And uh, it gives you a lot of freedom. No, I think that that
1: uh, definitely is uh, a great uh, point. And I think that a lot of times people are focused on, hey, what is the pay or what is the salary or how much am I going to make an hour? And yet a lot of times when you get into those sales positions, you have the opportunity if you're good at your job to be able to make a considerable amount more. And people oftentimes overlook that because they're so focused on other things. So now, as you're kind of, you do that for, you know, in and out a bit, but overall, you're with the agency for about 22 years. And then as you come to the end of that, and you shifted and uh, tried or went into business for a period of time, I think with your brother or whatnot. Um, but wh- uh, what made you decide to jump out, go on a, or go in a different direction, try a business or kind of what uh, what was the cause of that transition?
0: Well, I had been running at, at Andres, and I had been running some divisions. So, um, when you're running a division, it's, um, often like owning your own company. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, they're very similar. Um, the, the, the great part is that, uh, if you lose money in a quarter, it's not your own money until you own the business. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I learned a lot from that. And then, um, I really didn't have an intention of starting my own company. Um, although, um, now that once you do it, then you realize I should have always been doing this, but you got to get to the point where you're, you're ready for it, because it has very different challenges. You know, now instead of getting a paycheck every week, you're, you're trying to meet payroll and it's a very different, uh, and for all your employees. But my brother, And I are very close. We're 16 months apart and we've always worked well together. And so um, it was a great opportunity to go work for him. And and I had just come off. Um, I was burning out kind of in the advertising world. And, um, you know, I'd been doing the same thing pretty much for um, almost 26, 27 years at that point. And I had recently met Steve Jobs and, and he kind of. Uh, in a meeting kind of encouraged me to go out on my own, that there's nothing like it. And then an opportunity presented itself with my brother to start a a food brokerage firm um, and working with uh, food and beverage brands to help um, facilitate Costco, uh, to work with Costco. And so what happened was we became very successful. My brother um, had been in retail a very long time and didn't wanna do this anymore. And we had the opportunity We were approached by some people to sell the company and, um, uh, that experience unto itself can be an, could be an entire podcast, but it, you know, the, the payment portion went well, but the, the transition was, um, truly, uh, difficult. And, and I've talked to other entrepreneurs who have the same thing, you know, you're in charge of something and now you start reporting to people again and going from a 12 person, uh, organization to a 40,000 person organization is 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 very different. It's like, you know, living in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and, and then, um, you know, the next morning you wake up and you're in Shanghai. Um, it's so different, all the processes are different, and it all the entrepreneurial spirit was sucked out of the company, and, and it, it's true at a lot of large companies. So I knew I needed to get out of there and, um, they were happy to accommodate me cause they knew I wasn't happy and they, they realized that, um, that maybe they weren't the best place for entrepreneurs. So, um, so I went in and, uh, uh, we had a discussion and I departed and, um, started Launchpad in 2017 and, you know, have never looked back, uh, to this point. It, it's, uh, that was the first time I I really began to reflect back and realize that I I probably should have started my own business much earlier, but some, some people are cut out for starting businesses. Um, You know, my mom used to always say to us, there's, there's people that will spend their entire life working for Sears, although that might not be possible today, but. um, Sears might not be around,
1: around too much longer, but there's certainly a point made.
0: Yeah, so you know there's certain people you go in, you do your job or maybe it's Walmart and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a honest uh job and good, you know, decent pay and um you know if that's the career you want to have, that's fantastic as well. But then there's other people, you know, that are like the Steve Jobs or and I'm not comparing myself to Steve Jobs cuz he was one unique individual, but there there's um, certain people that are meant to be entrepreneurs and there's certain people that aren't. And um, if, if you do have the, the cut for it um, and can withstand the stress and the loneliness sometimes, because, you know, you're, you know, when you make a mistake, it's all on you. And when you're successful, it's all on you. But, um, you know, failure is also an important part of, of learning. You don't, you don't learn from, Uh, uh, success the same way you learn from failure it's a very different experience and with I was reading this article by George uh, uh, with an interview with that the actor George Clooney and he said that he's learned so much more from failures and he's so happy that he failed early on in his career because he wouldn't have known because he said if he when he looks back at his career. He, he learned nothing from the successes he he learned everything from the failures and so um, all of those things go into rounding out I think the character of the individual um, uh, and allow you to be more uh, successful long term when you do have some uh, failures because of what you learn from them and um, you know if you look at them as learning experiences and and don't get sucked into the the negativity around failure you can turn it into a very positive event no i i
1: definitely think that that uh, makes it makes a complete sense so now we we walked through most of your journey so you, you started out the business with the the brother doing some of that ended up saying it wasn't the best or wasn't the right fit got bought out and so what or how did that transition or what did you once as you're coming off of that and i think that leads into where a bit where you're at today and what you're doing but kind of how did that transition to where you're at today? And how did you decide what that next step or that, uh, that phase that leads you up to where you're at today?
0: Well, it was getting to the point where um, the company that I was working for um, couldn't stand me and I couldn't stand them. And so um, um, unfortunately I'm a very direct person. And so I, I actually had to confront my boss because I He was saying things to other people that, you know, this, you know, that the acquisition wasn't a good fit, but I can't stand people that don't have the guts to tell you to your face what they're really thinking. And so he couldn't do it. So one day I just called him on the phone and I said, don't you think this is pretty fucked up? And he got really quiet and, and, and choked on his words for a little bit. And he says, Oh, I always like your directness. I said, no, you don't. It scares the shit out of you. You want, I heard, I hear you want me out of here, and I said I'm happy to accommodate you, but I'm not walking out with nothing, you know, meaning that that um, I want additional money to leave. And so we had a long discussion about that, and three weeks later we reached an agreement. And they, you know, I have to give them credit; they had acquired the company, and they allowed me to go back out and compete against them, which um, you know a lot of companies wouldn't do. Um, and so, uh, um, they, uh, were cool with it and they were just happy that I was out of there because I kept trying to talk to them about company culture and how important it was to retain our culture. And they said, you know, level one marketing, which was the name of the company. They just kept saying over and over again, forget about level one marketing. It's dead. It's gone. And, hmm. um, uh, I, I said, well, I, I, don't agree, but, um, you know, and, and again, out of that failure came, you know, this new idea. And actually, I pitched them on the idea of doing Launchpad uh, as a separate division within their company. And, um, it, you know, it seemed like they were going to move forward with it. And then they said, you know, we're not going to, but if you want to go do that um, on your own and, um, you know, we're happy to do that. So I am thankful that they... They did that and they paid us a fair price for the original company. And, you know, sometimes these things don't work out. But again, there were a lot of lessons learned there. You know, if, if, you know, I've had some people want to buy Launchpad and I'm not ready to retire and sell yet. But Mm. um, I would never, I would never stay on Um, again. That would not never happen because, um you become too attached to your brand and your identity at the company sometimes. And then to have other people basically um tell you that it's uh um uh you know that's not how they want to do things, this is how they do it. It's not it's not a good fit and it's why, you know, a lot of um entrepreneurs uh butt heads with the new group when they stay on. So I, I would you know, unless it's a, a 12 month stint, I, I wouldn't consider staying on. Like I get helping out on a transitionary period that I would do, but, um, uh, I would never stay on beyond that. Like I, like I did previously. And, and it's a hard thing, you know, It it's, uh, you take deep pride in owning your own business and starting it from the ground up. And, you know, I, I love cars and I, I I, every car I've sold, you know, I, I still regret because there were so many good times and memories with it. And it's the same with a business, you know, when, when you finally give it up, you generally, um, you know, have, I've talked to other entrepreneurs about this. You kind of feel like, you know, what's, you know, you, the big question is obviously what's next. And, you know, uh, are you going to miss what you once had on the other hand? because uh, because the one of the things that I think is really important is that you know at first you're all excited in selling it because you get this big check and you know and you and and most people don't get to sell their companies especially family-owned companies and and um, so you get excited about that but then you know in the end the money doesn't have the same meaning you um, as the love uh, and passion and all of the hard work and sacrifice that you put in for the company getting that big check doesn't make you any happier um uh you know you've got to deal if you happen no, to have no uh, i think that, i think
1: that that definitely makes sense and i, I think that you know every you know you spend a lot of time and effort on you know every business that you devote yourself to and get up and running and everything else and that you know leaving or making that exit or that transition is always difficult because you always feel like you're leaving a part of yourself behind that you work you know very, very diligently to build so I, I think that there's definitely a lot of wisdom in there well as we uh, start to, to wrap up the podcast and you know now we've kind of walked through your journey of where uh, up until where you're at today always have two questions I hit at the end of each podcast, so we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it?
0: Well, I, I still go back to, uh, for me, I think selling the company was the worst decision um, that we made. Uh, uh, but at the same time, what you also learn from it is there was no way to predict the future. So you don't know, going in, you know, everyone said the right things. And so um, I would do, if I were to sell my company again, um, I would do a lot more investigating. I would insist on meeting with people face to face uh, more often and I would dig uh, much deeper into the company culture um, and not allow them to push the people on to me that they wanted me to talk to, because they're only going to have you talk to the best people. I want to talk to some of the other people at, at, at the company. So I, I would say that, that I learned about that. But, but lastly, I would say that the most important thing that I learned from all of this is that um, uh, that you should never love what you do. You should enjoy what you do. But love is an, uh, an important emotion that should be reserved for your family and your friends. And um, you can have passion for your business and all that other stuff. But when you start intermixing the word love with your career, um, you're, you're basically uh, associating an incredible emotion that's normally reserved for family and friends and you know your wife or your husband and you're you're taking in an an object that's not even real it's not alive it's just a business and so it's still important to remember that no matter how important your business is nothing's more important than your family and friends because um you know otherwise you'll wake up one day with no friends no family and all alone no
1: i think absolutely and i think that you know it's an easy one to Say on the front end, hey, friend, you know, family is always the most important thing. And then you get into a business and you always are putting out a fire. You're always having, you know, things to deal with. And it's always one of those where life tends to get out of balance if you let it to. And I think that putting that focus on the the family is definitely an an important and and valuable uh, takeaway. So now the second question I always ask is, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you give them?
0: Um, be, um, set up an advisory board of people that you can talk to along the way, um, immediately. Um, like two days after you start your business. In fact, you should probably, before you start your business, um, get one or two people that you really trust and run some of your ideas by them. Um, not that you're going to listen to everything they have to say, but, um, having people around you with diverse backgrounds and experience makes the process um much easier to go through because um most of the time when you run a business you at some point set up some sort of advisory board or a board of directors but you do it much later and you miss out on the 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 knowledge bank that all these other people can bring to your business and so, one of the first things I did when I started Launchpad was to set up a group of four people that are my advisors to a certain extent. And it, it, it's not just for business; it's it's for all different things. Hey, I'm feeling this way emotionally right now about this. Am I getting too tied tied into this? What are your thoughts? Um, you know, and and when we were going through the pandemic, there were you know um, being able to discuss with them you know, what was their opinion? What did they think was going to happen? How long is this thing going to fricking last? Um, having them, um, was a really valuable experience, um, this time around. And I'm, I'm glad that, um, I set that up at the beginning. I think it's really important for anybody going into business, no matter how small your business is, that you have some people and they can't be family members. You have to be people that are independent and have strong voices. So, um, no,
1: And I think that that definitely is a, is a, a great uh, takeaway. In other words, I think whether it's, you know, partners, whether it's employees, whether it's mentors, you know, having someone that that one can, you know, Give a different perspective, a different point of view, um, give you some mentorship or otherwise uh, give you a sounding board, if nothing else, definitely is beneficial, especially as you're doing a startup or small business. A lot of times you don't know what you're doing and you certainly don't feel like you know what you're doing. And so you're you're looking for someone else that they may not know what they're doing, but at least it'll give you some direction and some insight as well. So I think that's definitely a, a great take.
0: Well, I think it's also really important when you start looking at if you're going to take money in if you're going to take an investor in to have those people that have that experience and talk to them about it first, because when you take money in, if you do, it's a very important decision and um, talking to people that have experienced before that can give you some of their share, their experiences of what worked and what didn't can really prepare you for doing a better job at it.
1: Uh, No, I think that absolutely. So, Well, as we're now wrapping up the podcast, um, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, or find out more?
0: Uh, Best way is my email address, jeremy at launchpadgroupusa.com or on LinkedIn, um, you can reach me there. And again, it's the same thing, Jeremy, that, you know, you can look at uh, Launchpad and um, find me on there. I'm on uh, LinkedIn all the time. But those are two best ways um, to, to uh, reach out to me.
1: Awesome. Absolutely encourage people to reach out and, and connect. Well, thank you again, Jeremy, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Um, now for all thank of you, you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, we'd love to have you on the podcast. So feel free to go to in, uh, inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show and share your journey. And also make sure to uh, click subscribe, share, and uh, and uh, promote the, the podcast so that everybody can find out about all the awesome episodes and the great journeys um, that are a lot of different startups and small businesses are taking and last but not least if you ever need help with patents trademarks or anything else with your business feel free to go to uh meeting.com grab some time with us to chat well thank you again jeremy for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last thank you take care